This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. The Alexander Calder sculpture, the universe, greeted visitors in the Willis Tower lobby for decades. It made a big impression. So naturally, folks noticed when it vanished back in 2017. The larger-than-life sculpture it sat behind the reception desk. There was a cluster of soft shapes that rotated slowly on the wall. A giant black yo-yo was swaying like a pendulum. A black coil rotating on the floor and primary color triangles spinning around a pole like mechanical flags. Martin, who's a WBEZ listener who's worked in the building for eight years, was there when the sculpture was boxed up. That moment was kind of weird to me because I was like, to me, that art was made for that space. And I like was part of the building and to see it boxed up and removed was really a surprise to me. Martin reached out to us for our Lost and Found series where we help Chicagoans find things in the city that they're looking for. So joining us to get to the bottom of what happened to the universe sculpture is Elizabeth Blashus. She's an architectural historian, writer, and the co-founder of Preservation Futures, a Chicago-based firm focused on architectural preservation. Elizabeth, welcome to Reset. Thanks for having me. Give us a little background on the artist, Alexander Calder. Who was he? Alexander Calder was an American sculptor. He was born in 1898, and he's known for his kinetic sculptures like Universe, sculptures that have movement that are often powered by wind or sometimes a motor. And he also is known for his large-scale public artworks. Um, We know the Flamingo sculpture in Chicago. But he also painted and he made jewelry. Mm-hmm. He had a background in, in mechanical engineering, which gave him a command of both movement and motor, but also material. His style is abstract, but he was able to see figures um, in his work, like animals, uh, sometimes people. And he often gave those artworks names to match, like the Chicago Flamingo. Uh-huh. Again. Yeah, and so th- that's great. So he had sculptures all over the city then. Mm-hmm. What's Calder's significance to Chicago, would you say? Chicago embraced Alexander Calder for almost five decades, from the 1930s up until uh, 1976 when he died. Uh, The Chicago Arts Club opened an exhibit of his work at the University of Illinois in 1935. He designed the backgrounds for a ballet at the Chicago Civic Opera in 1945. And his works were on exhibit at the Art Institute of Chicago. In 1973... He was given the commission to design a sculpture for the Federal Building Plaza next to the Kaczynski Federal Building. That building is designed by Ludwig Wies van der Rohe, Mm -hmm. which at the time was the most expensive piece of art that the federal government had ever spent for a piece of public art. Well, I mean, it sounds to me like Alexander Calder was loved here in Chicago. I mean, do you have a favorite? Probably Flamingo, just because it's so wild. It's across the street from um, our office. Yeah. I, and I think it's just, you know, as a as a public sculpture, it's just so bold and so big. It kind of does exactly what you want a public sculpture to do. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the, the sculpture that was in the Willis Tower. What, what should we know about it? Universe is a seven-piece kinetic wall mural sculpture. It's sheet metal, and it's painted in red, black, yellow, and blue. Um, And there's a motor for each of the components. It's uh, got a pole with rotating flags, as you mentioned, Mm -hmm. three flowers, as um, Calder called them, a pendulum, a hanging circular component, and a helix that sat on the floor and rotated. Originally, it operated from 7 a.m. to midnight daily, and visitors to the Sears Tower and later the Willis Tower will remember it behind the front desk of the building. Yeah, I mean, when you're just looking at it, you see 
all the the movement, right? Mm-hmm. Like your eyes are sort of forced to look in several different mm-hmm. directions all at once. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It sounds like that's what he was going for. Absolutely. And you could walk right up to it. There were um, sort of minimal guardrails just to prevent somebody from sticking their arm in the helix or something. But that's you could true. just really get right up to it and see all of that movement. And it kind of changed, you know, depending on what piece. Was yeah. There. What was your first impression when you saw it? What a cool thing to be in, uh, you know, this this corporate building's lobby and also what a sort of special component to a building lobby like that, which is the most public component to, mm-hmm. um, you know, even a, a, a private company like Sears Holdings had sort of the idea, the forethought to just really create something spectacular for the uh, the lobby. Yeah, it sounds amazing. I mean, was it designed for the space? That's not clear to me. I uh, checked with the Calder Foundation. That information wasn't available from them. But as far as I know, there was a, a Sears board chairman named Arthur Wood who worked with Calder and asked Calder about the sculpture that was sort of being planned and asked him for a name for the sculpture. And Calder gave him gave the sculpture the name Universe, but mm. not just Universe, Mr. Wood's Universe after that Sears board chairman. So I don't know if that's sort of a, a cheeky nod to, you know, the corporate Sears culture or, yeah. you know, just Alexander Calder being funny. If you're just tuning in, this is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and I'm joined by architectural historian and writer Elizabeth Blashes. We're answering a listener's question about what happened to the Alexander Calder sculpture that used to be on display in the Willis Tower lobby. So we know that it disappeared in 2017, Elizabeth. What happened to it? Universe was on view throughout the history of the Sears Tower and through the name change in 2009. A 1994 agreement allowed Sears to buy back the mobile at half its um, appraised value in the event of the building sale, which happened um, in 2009, once the name changed. Mm -hmm. In 2010, Sears attempted to make good on that agreement, but the owners of the building countered and said basically that the sculpture was a part of the building, it was part of Chicago, and it shouldn't go anywhere. Mm. Um, The the listener who asked the the question noted that it was... um, taken off the wall and and removed in 2017. At that point, Blair Kamen, the Chicago Tribune architecture critic, wrote that the sculpture had been the subject of a conflict of ownership for a number of years between Sears Holdings and the current owners. So it's somewhere in storage Somewhere. Where exactly? It's somewhere. It, oh somewhere. My goodness. <laughs> somewhere. Could be in Hoffman Estates, where Sears Holdings has their headquarters. Could be, who knows? Oh, my goodness. And, and you know what? This is actually the second time that we have had a lost and found episode about missing art. And, and specifically, art that was once publicly viewable somewhere. And it ended up in a private collection. Is that a trend, Elizabeth? It definitely seems like a trend from whether you look at the Harry Bertoia sculptures that were moved from the Aeon Center. Right. Or the Gourmand, that Art Nouveau entrance, uh, that, you know, that, that's my, my, uh, Metra station entrance. So. Oh, right. Okay. That, whether it's, it's that they really, or it's Monument with Standing Beast, which was reported to be removed from the Thompson Center Plaza and, will become a part of the collection of the Art Institute. So it really, it, it is sort of a, a trend that this public art is being taken out of public view and either stored for future for right. future placement somewhere or it just goes into a private collection. But why? I mean, is it, do we just not care about public art as much, you think? I mean, why is this happening? I, I think the public cares. Um, I think 
a lot of these entities that own public art just sort of see it as, um, you know, we, we operate often with governments and even with just sort of large corporations, the scarcity mindset. What is the value of public art, especially if it has, um, there's all these other things that need to be addressed sort of in our culture broadly, especially within government and, and the uh, the public sector. But yeah. public art is really how people become exposed to big, significant artists. A lot of folks may only know Jean Dubuffet through Monument with Standing Beast, Snoopy in a Blender at the Thompson Center. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the Calder sculpture, the Flamingo. That's the only sort of sculpture, public sculpture that they know of because they encounter it every yeah. day. Yeah. So, I mean, to that end, what do you think we lose then, if anything, when, when public art becomes private? We lose an opportunity to educate people just, you know, on the public art, different artists, yeah, uh, different a piece of history. Yeah, different eras of, of art. Um, and then also just being exposed to something delightful and creative in just your everyday environment. I think that's really what the, the major loss is, that there's a, a, an expression of creativity that you may interact with every day that is now lost. So if our WBEZ listener, Martin, ever wanted to reunite with this piece, I mean, would he be able to do that? Who I don't know. Maybe get a... With the universe? Oh, <laughs> reunite with the universe. Gosh, I guess we'll just have to sort of see where it ends up. We know that the Willis Tower was um, renovated at the tune of like $500 million in 2017. So it, it would be really nice for uh, maybe Sears to recognize that the building does have historic significance. Mm-hmm. I do agree that it's sort of connected to the Sears Tower. It relates to the architecture. A lot of modern architecture also has modern sculptures. There's a compliment there that I, I believe is missing. Yeah. Um, so I hope we see it again. Elizabeth Blaches is an architectural historian and writer. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you.